On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Leaving out the avocado in your salad to save money is not good for morale or your fiber intake. Luckily, State Farm knows the value of the little things. It's why they've got options, like insuring your home and ride with surprisingly great rates on both. Because you shouldn't have to give up what you love for great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hello and welcome to The Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, June the 1st. It is a brand new month uh, starting today. Uh, and we are getting ready for the Eastern Conference Finals to begin here tonight between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh, Ian Cameron's flying solo today, just me on the show. No guests today either, um, but we will be back tomorrow with a guest, Carl Alsner, joining the show tomorrow. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, but first, we'll break down, of course, tonight's Game 1. We'll look back on what was an absolutely crazy Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals last night between the Colorado Avalanche and Edmonton Oilers. Just absolutely incredible action, uh, pace throughout the game, uh, up and down the ice it went. It was just unbelievable to watch. Uh, by the way, you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, I've got the American flag uh, T-shirt uh, today. I meant to wear it on the Memorial Day uh, edition of the show. Usually that's the tradition for me is I wear this shirt on Memorial Day. If I'm doing anything in terms of a show or videos or content on uh, July 4th, uh, you will see me there as well. Uh, but definitely uh, a situation where uh, I missed out, forgot to uh, wear this on Memorial Day, but uh, we're definitely uh, involved right now uh, in terms of uh, getting uh, the, um, I'm just wondering here, I'm just seeing something right now. Are we live? We're not. I'm not seeing anything at the moment. Hold on. What's going on here? We're live and I don't see it going. I don't see it live on YouTube here. What's happening? What's going on here? No wonder there's no viewers. All right, are we are, are we live here? What's going on here? I see 26. What's going on here? No, there we go. I think we're live now. Okay, I don't know what happened there, but all right. Let's let's re let's reboot and go back from the beginning. Welcome to the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Wednesday, June the 1st. Uh, Ian Cameron with you. Uh, flying solo today, uh, getting ready to uh, break down the uh, uh, Wednesday uh, NHL slate. We've got Game 1 Eastern Conference Final tonight. Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, of course, we've got, uh, we'll look back on a crazy epic game one last night Colorado Avalanche, Edmonton Oilers, uh, just action packed, tons of pace up and down the ice, trading chances, both sides, just an unbelievable game. 
uh, it was. So looking forward to uh, breaking that down. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I've got the American flag T-shirt today. Uh, I usually wear that on Memorial Day and July 4th if I'm doing a show that day as well to you know pay homage to the uh, my American friends and all the people uh, south of the border that tune into the shows daily. But I forgot, just one of those days, forgot to uh, uh, bring it out uh, on Monday. So uh, we're making up for it today. Uh, by the way, everyone on the BetCast, the BetCast last night was phenomenal, outstanding. I mean, you talk about picking the right night to have a BetCast. We sure as fuck did that with the uh, Oilers and the Avs last night. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better game to be involved live betting from start to finish. And it was just an incredible game for a, to be involved on a BetCast and betting live uh, as we did. Uh, just a terrific BetCast. Thanks to everyone that tuned in. Thanks to those who joined us uh, on the BetCast stream, uh, including two guys that were on the BetCast for the first time. Uh, one of our special guests that was with us a couple uh, weeks ago uh, plays pro hockey in the ECHL with Kalamazoo. Ray Bryce was on the show last night. And man, did, this guy's a seasoned pro when it comes to uh, live wagering. I mean, man, uh, and his good friend that he brought onto the BetCast as well, Coy. I mean, these two guys between them i'm sure uh, they must add 20 or 25 live bets during that game last night i mean and most of them actually won <laughs> so uh, and it was one of those games where look if you were involved live betting that game you did very well uh no question about that so it was just one of those nights where everything worked out well the pregame bets won for me colorado puck line the over obviously six and a half was uh, as easy as it gets uh, that I got, uh, that I bet, I bet that overnight if I, cause I knew it was going to move to seven when the uh, game one line opened for the Oilers and Avs. So jumping on that really helped. And then we had a bunch of live bets, the cash, we had Hyman to score a goal, to get a point Devon Taves, to get a point. Uh, there were a bunch of live, you know, player prop bets. I believe that cashed in, we had multiple, both teams to score live bets in each period. Uh, that ended up cashing in. So it was just an overall very profitable bet casts. I would say probably one of the m most profitable bet casts I've had this season personally. And I think I speak for uh, everyone that joined us on the bet cast. I mean, most of the, uh, most of the wagers we ended up placing ended up working out very well. And uh, uh, thanks to everyone that joined us. And again, Ray and Coy in particular uh, joining us on the bet cast for the first time, they did a phenomenal job uh, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to join us uh, again. Uh, for a future bet cast. Uh, all right, um, let's look back on that game last night. Obviously, Colorado, eight to six victory uh, over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it was just one of those games where, look, uh, I think maybe the speed and the skill and the depth that each team has up front kind of took the other by surprise. Not that it, they knew it was coming. They knew in the scouting report coming into this series the Oilers knew what Colorado was all about, that they had four very, very deep forward lines. Colorado knew what Edmonton was all about, that even though I think they're a little bit more top heavy, you know, when you're talking about their lineup, they rely more on, a, you know, just a handful of players, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kane, Hyman, you know, Yamamoto's capable of stepping up. Uh, Pugliarvi has skill, although we don't always see it consistently. You know, even though they rely up more on more, uh, a lesser amount, I think, of the forwards to chip in, they're still as dangerous as it gets. The four to five forwards for Edmonton that carry the way for them are that good, that lethal, that dangerous on the ice shift by shift. So I think that both teams knew what Colorado was, or both teams knew defensively they were going to be in for a challenge. But when you finally step onto the ice and when you're Colorado and you come off playing St. Louis, and you're Edmonton, and you come off playing 
Calgary, and now all of a sudden you're playing each other, and it is just a completely different level of speed. It's a completely different stylistic matchup compared to what the Avs saw in the second round and compared to what the Oilers saw uh, in the second round. And I really think you ended up seeing that play out to perfection last night where it ended up being a situation where neither team was quite ready you know, ready from game one of this brand new series to go from the, you know, more of a cycle game, you know, cycle the puck around the zone, you know, try to really work the defense. You know, that's the style St. Louis plays. That's the style Calgary plays. A cycle, four-check game. You know, that's really the way they go about things offensively. And that's to their strength, you know, Calgary and St. Louis. And now Edmonton and Colorado are playing each other, and they're playing a different style. You're getting up and down the ice, north-south puck transition as quickly as possible, defensemen willing to jump into the play at every moment, especially for Colorado. And you really saw that really give Edmonton problems last night uh, in game one. And I hinted about that on the show yesterday uh, with Andrew McGinnis and our guests, Eddie Lack and uh, Casey Nelson, who were great guests, by the way, yesterday on the show. I mentioned how Edmonton is going to be challenged by this Colorado style because they come from playing Calgary who the defensemen don't activate. They don't, unless they absolutely have to. And especially when you're talking about Daryl Sutter coaching that Flames team, he's never going to say to his defensemen, you know what, join the rush, join the play, pinch in the offensive zone, unless it's a time when we absolutely have to. You know, we're trailing by a goal late in the third period. We're trailing by two goals late in the third period. Colorado, it's every fucking shift. It really is. It's every shift. It's every moment and every minute, every second on the ice. When Jared Bednar gives Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Bowen Byram, Eric Johnson, uh, and, and the entire blue line, the green light on every shift to jump into the play and keep the offense alive. And when I said yesterday that it's a five-man attack, you know, for the Colorado Avalanche on every shift, I mean it. The, de the defense is involved in the offense and always a threat in the offensive zone on every shift. They don't just sit back and let the forwards do their thing. They are a factor offensively for this team. And look, when you're talking about the defenseman jumping into the play on every shift and it's a five-man offensive attack compared to just, you know, playing it a little bit more cautious with your D-men and letting the forwards do the work, when you're trying to defend that on the other side, it means more communication has to be made between the two defensemen and the back-checking forwards. You've got to iron out coverages in, in the defensive zone. you got to make sure everybody takes someone. You've got to make sure that you know someone covers the point properly. you got to make sure that there's someone stationed in front of the net to clear the traffic out and make sure nobody's getting to those loose pucks and those rebounds right in front of your goalie. That's an adjustment. Because look, it's it's different when you have when you have five guys that are five players on the ice at all times that are trying to get involved in the offense compared to say maybe just the three forwards. And when you look at the way Calgary uh, played and St. Louis played uh, in the last round, that's their style. It's more let the forwards forecheck, let them cycle the puck, let them you know try to you know tire out the defense, wear down the defense. That's how we're going to go about trying to get our goals, trying to get our offensive production, and it's absolutely not the same way that Colorado plays. And Edmonton struggled with that last night. The defensive zone breakdowns and coverages, that's what they've got to work on. And 
I think it's it's not fair to say Edmonton's going to get lit up every game. You know, this is a team that we have seen adjustments. We have seen improvements from this group, one game to the next, one series to the next. You know, I, I don't think we're at the point already after one game where we're ready to say, you know what, it's it's going to be absolutely tough for Edmonton to win this series. You know, they, they give them a chance to make some adjustments. And look, Calgary even, who has really not totally different style of offense compared to Colorado. Remember, they lit up Edmonton in game one of that series. And we did see, you know, Edmonton uh, make adjustments, be better uh, after that first game where they just got absolutely ripped apart, you know, at the defensive end of the ice. And, and you know, we did see them play better uh, moving forward. So uh, that's definitely interesting. I mean, when you look at the game last night, what's great is that it didn't really matter which direction you went from a player prop standpoint. Uh, you had a good chance to cash with a bunch of different players uh, last night in that game. Evander Kane opens the scoring. Uh, JT Comfer uh, as well. And shout out to Ray Bryce on the BetCast last night. He had Evander Kane and Miko Rantanen as a goal scorer parlay. Anytime goal scorer parlay, Evander Kane and Miko Rantanen. And he cashed that one at a very good plus price. What was it? I think 600, 625 or something. Uh, excellent job there. Uh, Kane scored. Comfer again. Uh, two goals last night for JT Comfer. That's now four goals for him in the last two games. Remember, he had two goals in the decisive game seven, or not game seven, game six, I should say, uh, against the St. Louis Blues in the second round. So all of us, and, and that's why I didn't bet Comfer last night. I'm like, Comfer was pretty quiet most of that St. Louis series, that even though he scored the two goals in game seven against, or game, I keep saying game seven, what the fuck? Game six uh, against St. Louis. Um, even though he scored those two goals, I mean, he, he really was quiet offensively before that. I didn't know if for sure he was going to be able to carry that over. This was going to be the start of some kind of hot streak, but he did carry it over. Two goals last night uh, for JT Comfer in that third-line center spot, and that's why Colorado's so dangerous. They're getting two goals from JT Comfer on the third line, centering that third line. I mean, that's why uh, this team is very, very dangerous because they can get offense from anywhere on the hell. Andrew Cogliano. Uh, gets a goal last night as well for the Avalanche, which just even speaks to that point even more, you know, how dangerous and how much offense they can get from everybody uh, in the lineup. Um, so that was good to see. Zach Hyman was terrific again uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. To be honest with you, it was kind of a, a bad break uh, for Zach Hyman that he only got one goal. And one, I believe just, the, and that was his only point uh, as well in that game because he was all over the puck as always, nothing new there. Uh, and he had a bunch of other chances that could have went in as well. So uh, definitely it was just a wild game, tons of chances. It had everything. It had both starting goaltenders not finish the game. Uh, Darcy Kemper leaving the game due to that uh, an injury. We thought it was an equipment issue at first. I know Alex mentioned that on the BetCast. We all thought it was an equipment issue uh, at the very beginning. But it ended up being an injury. They're saying it's probably an eye injury, something related to the eye injury that he had earlier in the playoffs. And uh, just earlier this morning, Jared Bednar had no update. You know, he said, I don't know what Darcy Kemper's status is going to be for game two uh, and moving forward. It's going to be day by day. We're going to wait and see uh, what ends up uh, happening here. Uh, and uh, we don't know yet. So there was really no update from that standpoint. And of course, Mike Smith doesn't finish the game because he ended up getting pulled by Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Oilers, and uh, Miko Koskinen. Uh, ended up finishing the game for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, look, Mike Smith was definitely struggled last night. wasn't great, but come on, I mean, the the, the play in front of him wasn't great. 
the defense was just breaking down. Like I said, the defense was breaking down left and right. They were not prepared. I think they were prepared in terms of the X's and O's tactically. They were prepared in terms of what I'm sure the coach coaching staff of the Oilers tried to prepare Edmonton's defense as well as they possibly could for the style of offense and the style of attack that Colorado brings three forwards, two defensemen always involved in the offense on every shift. I'm sure they instructed that uh, to the Colorado, to the Edmonton Oilers, but actually getting instruction on how to try to shut them down and actually going out there on the ice and doing it. It is a completely different situation altogether. And you saw them struggle with that last night, breakdowns and coverages, leaving the front of the net open, leaving the slot area open far too much. How many slot area chances did the Colorado avalanche get last night? How many loose pucks were they able to get in front of Mike Smith rebounds? I mean, it was just, it was a collective defensive failure period from the Edmonton Oilers last night. So yeah, Mike Smith wasn't great, but the pull him getting pulled was let's try to wake up the team wake-up call, try to turn the momentum of the game. I don't think it was all, yeah, Mike Smith was was shit in the in the game last night. We have to take him out because he just doesn't have it. He was not at his best, but I think it's more what, the way they played in front of him. It was a horrendous defensive evening in game one last night for the Edmonton Oilers. And this notion that I see on Twitter that we got to bench Mike Smith now uh, moving forward for the rest of the playoffs, starting in game two after last night. This notion that we, he he sh- he should be benched, he can't. We can't go back to Mike Smith in game two tomorrow night uh, is absolutely absurd. I cannot believe that I'm seeing this. This is a guy that, as I've I've, I've mentioned this multiple times now, and I, apparently I have to mention it again because there's knuckleheads out there that apparently it's not sinking in. It's not in between the ears. It's not landing there, and it's not permeating in their brain cells. So I'm going to say it again for the millionth time. Mike Smith is third, all right? Third in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs in goals saved above average. And the only two goalies that are higher than him in that statistic are Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin, the two goalies facing off in the Eastern Conference final. All right? You are not going to cut the cord. You're not going to pull the plug on Mike Smith based on last night. You're not. I mean, it's absolutely absurd to even suggest that. What, Miko Koskinen is going to save your season now? The guy that was just as inconsistent and, you know, up and down like a fucking yo-yo all year? Every bit as much as Mike Smith? No, he can't. And when you look at those numbers, you you have got to go back to Mike Smith for game two. You know, and I don't buy it. that. And then there's also some people, oh, he's tired. He's 40 years old. He's tired. He didn't even play 40 regular season games this year. So if you're arguing that, first of all, he was bad last night, he can't get it back, first of all, that's a bunch of nonsense because we've seen Mike Smith get pulled already in the playoffs, come back the next game, play well, and his team win the next game. Game two against Calgary. Remember he got pulled in game one? What happened in game two? What happened? He came back strong. He played well. And Edmonton got the game two victory and tied up that series. And for, for the rest of that series, I thought Mike Smith played very well, aside from the gaffe, of course, that he had. When Rasmus Anderson, you know, shot the puck from inside his own blue line, Smith lost sight of it and it went in. That was a bad mistake. Other than that, I thought from game two onward in the Battle of Alberta, I had no issues, none, zero, with Mike Smith's play. None. So from that standpoint, 
uh, you know, it, it's it's a situation where he's been good enough in these playoffs that he deserves a second shot. You know, if he has a horrendous game in game two, then maybe, and, and I'm, not even, I'm not even saying for sure, maybe if he's bad in game two, I reinvestigate and reexamine making a switch for the remainder of the series. Maybe I do that. And I'm not even saying I, for sure I will. I say maybe I might consider it. But after last night, you know, you don't make the change to Koskinen in game two. Not with what he's given you in these playoffs. Not if you buy into the GSAA numbers like I do. You got to give the guy credit for that. And if you actually watch, if you've watched every Oilers playoff game so far, you actually will see that he has made a bunch of high danger saves or saves on high danger, high quality chances in front of the net, on rebounds, on loose pucks, from the slot, you know, trying to see over uh, around the defenseman, trying to see around a screen right in front of him, in front of the net. He's been able to track pucks pretty decently here and make some pretty good saves and tough saves and difficult saves. And I think, like I said about last night, he wasn't at his best. The whole defense in front of him was an absolute disaster for the Edmonton Oilers. So, so the, the, the idea that we're going to throw this all at the feet of Mike Smith last night is just a bunch of garbage, period, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's the way it is. Uh, so to me, Jay Woodcroft, now he didn't say, he didn't commit to Mike Smith today. He said, uh, I'm not sure who the goalie's going to be tomorrow night, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, I, I, I don't want to do a Charles Barkley guarantee, but I feel pretty damn strongly that Jay Woodcroft's going to stick by Mike Smith for game two, which he should. Uh, as you can clearly tell. Uh, and Eddie Lack, our guest, I retweeted what he said uh, or what he put out on Twitter after that game last night. You know, how, how do you just all of a sudden bench Mike Smith uh, after last night? You don't. So I think he's going to come back uh, in game two and end up uh, playing. Uh, watch him play well, too, as well. And he got some rest as well. Remember, second period, third period, he gets a little extra rest. You watch, he'll probably be a lot better tomorrow night uh, in game two. But it starts with the guys in front of him. You know, I don't care what you do, or, or but you got to try to defend. It's not going to be easy. And clearly Colorado showed that in game one, that it's not going to be easy to defend this. Uh, or Ed For Edmonton, it's not going to be easy to defend this five-man attack for Colorado. But they've at least got to try to be a little bit better with it. And I'm going to give Pavel Francouz credit. He ended up stepping into the game after uh, Kemper's injury. And to be honest, Koskinen didn't play that badly. But I thought Francouz was really good. And that kind of surprised me because Pavel Francouz for the Colorado Avalanche, he's kind of had a meandering season, if you will, when he's had uh, when he's been called upon uh, to start in net. And I thought, you know, with Kemper all of a sudden out and with Edmonton pushing hard and give Edmonton credit, they showed you as well why, in my opinion, they're far from done uh, in this series. Uh, what they're all about, just battling back. You know, they were down, you know, a few goals going at what was it? Seven to four, I believe going into the third period, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But they just kept battling back. They made it 7-5. They made it 7-6. And they had a glorious amount of chances and threatening opportunities to tie that game in the final two, three minutes. And Pavel Francouz had to make a couple of big saves uh, to keep that game from being tied in the final minutes and help Colorado avoid what happened to them uh, in game five. Uh, in the second round against the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, Francois, you know, he did let in three, but I'll tell you what, he made up for the three goals he let in based on the saves and the chances that he shut down 
courtesy of the Edmonton Oilers late in that game. And then, of course, they finally put it away with the empty net goal. So what can you say? It was a crazy game, boatload of chances, boatload of goals, pretty piss poor defending uh, from both sides, kind of shaky goaltending as well from both sides, uh, all four goalies. Uh, it's going to be fascinating now to see what we get, though, tomorrow night in game two. Uh, when you look at you know what we saw last night, do we get another track meet? Do things kind of simmer down a little bit with both teams at the defensive end of the ice? Uh, that's definitely something that we're going to have to uh, monitor uh, as we move forward here toward uh, game two tomorrow night. And as of right now, uh, we're looking at seven shaded to the over uh, with the total for game two tomorrow night. And I'm already seeing at our uh, sponsor book here, DraftKings, they've moved it already to seven and a half. So that tells you that the uh, betting markets, at least in early uh, an early uh, betting action here for game two tomorrow night, they're not exactly buying in to tomorrow night being a defensive turnaround uh, for both of these teams. So uh, should be interesting. Again, Colorado up one nothing, but I think we saw enough. Yeah, like the Oilers played like dog shit defensively, just absolutely horrendous defensive coverage all night from Edmonton. And look, Colorado had their issues at times too, but it was really bad for Edmonton. And there they were yet still, you know, just inches away from maybe tying that game in the final minute or two. So if I'm the Oilers, you know, there's a lot to improve on. And I still nearly stole that game last night against the Avs. So fascinating to see uh, this series, uh, that game last night. And we'll see how uh, the series progresses going into game two tomorrow night and beyond. All right, let's get to tonight. We've got Eastern Conference final game one getting underway the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, looking to make it keep their uh, their drive for three straight Stanley Cups alive uh, against the New York Rangers. We've got Tampa Bay minus one thirty uh, road favorites here in Game One. Of course, taking place at Madison Square Garden. You know, a refresher for everybody that the uh, New York Rangers uh, had more points this regular season than the Tampa Bay Lightning, so that is why they have home ice here. Uh, in this series. So Tampa Bay minus 130 uh, road favorites, five and a half the total uh, in this game. I know a lot of people like the under, and I don't disagree that this is going to be a low scoring series for the most part, for the most part. But I think we're getting something different tonight here in game one. I think we're going to get over the total. And that's what I like. I said it yesterday, uh, over five and a half here for me. I think this is, I'm not going to be actively looking to bet a ton of overs in this series. I do think you are talking about two teams that defensively, they have been better, uh, you know, especially the last round, the Rangers, uh, Tampa Bay, of course, against Florida. Uh, the goaltending matchup, it goes without saying, you've got number one and number two active goaltenders still standing uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, that right now have the top two goals saved above average numbers. Igor Shosturkin's actually number one. Igor Shosturkin's ahead of Andre Vasilevsky in that statistic. Uh, and uh, Vasilevsky, of course, too, right behind him. So uh, this is just a fascinating game one because you've got the, the biggest situational debate going into game one tonight is the rest versus rust for the Tampa Bay Lightning going into game one tonight. They've been off for nine days. Is the, the re I have no doubt in my mind the rest is beneficial for Tampa Bay. Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough play a shit ton of minutes every night on the blue line. They needed some rest. Eric Chernak was definitely playing through an injury uh, in the second round against Florida on that Tampa Bay blue line. He needed some rest as well. Uh, you could look at the forwards. They're, I'm sure, dealing with some bumps and bruises. Corey Perry's been hit around a lot because that's 